Amen. We're going to continue our series on Extraordinary. We're really just getting started. And um, this series has been, uh, I believe, a great series. I think the timing of the series um, has been phenomenal. The beginning of the year, you know, we're all looking at, okay, what, how's God going to use me this year? What does he want me to do? How does he want to use me? What does he want to do through me? Amen. But when we start thinking about that kind of stuff, we start thinking about limitations. As soon as God tells us to do something, it seems like the first thing we think about is, okay, I can't do that. <laughs> okay, I got to get rid of this, this, this. We come up with a checklist that God's, you got to get rid of all this stuff before you can use me. But what we're doing is we're going through the Bible and identifying that all the great men and women that God used in the Bible to do extraordinary things were ordinary people. And God wasn't waiting around for them to get stuff straightened out. He said, I'm going to use you, and here's what I need to do through you. And so... Uh, that's basically the, the course of this study, of this series, and um, I hope it's already been ministering to you. I hope you've already gotten a few things out of it. And last week we talked about Abraham and identified that if you're going to have an extraordinary life, if, you're gonna do, uh, if God's going to do extraordinary things through you, we've got to have extraordinary faith. Amen? We've gotta, we have to be in a position where we believe that God can do anything and will do anything through us. Amen? And so we kind of saw that last week. We saw this. Don't consider your limitations. Just look at his abilities. Amen. Abraham, the Bible says, did not consider, did not think about, did not meditate on, did not comprehend the weaknesses or the death that was in his own body that was unable to produce life. But when God said, you're the father of many nations, he just believed him at his word and obeyed everything he told him to do. Amen. If you're going to do something extraordinary for God, you can't spend a lot of time looking at yourself. If you do look at yourself, you got to say, in spite of that, God's going to do this. Amen. That's exciting because we can come up with limitations. We can come up with weaknesses all day long. We can look at ourselves and say, I didn't go to school for that. I don't have enough training in that. I didn't get married at the right time. I don't have the right amount of kids. We can come up with all kinds of stuff, but when we can look past that and say, God, do what you want to do. Amen. Then we'll see the extraordinary take place. Today, we're going to talk about one of my favorite characters in the Bible, and his name is Joseph. Joseph was a man that did extraordinary things. Amen. In fact, he did one extraordinary thing that set up not just himself, not just his family, but set up an entire nation for generations after him, and he didn't even realize it. But here's what I want to do today. I want to start at the end and then go back to the beginning. So if you would, turn to Genesis chapter 41. Genesis chapter 41. And this story, I mean, uh, you know, as some of you know, your kids are learning the same stuff along with you. So it's exciting. You can get in the car and say, hey, what did you learn in church today? And they're going to tell you, Joseph, and he was extraordinary. What did you learn about mom and dad? You better be ready and able to answer the questions. It goes both ways now. Amen? And uh, so that's exciting. But I was talking with uh, Caleb. He's over there developing those lessons for us. And we were both just like, man, this life is just so, there's so much in here. There's, I mean, I, I could spend hours just reading you the story of Joseph. It covers a few chapters, but there's so much in it. You can go so many different ways. And again, we're identifying God wants to do extraordinary things. Through ordinary people. Well, when we read the end here, Genesis chapter 41, let's start with verse 8. 
We're going to see the extraordinary. And then I want to show you where the ordinary comes in. Genesis 41, verse 8. Now it came to pass in the morning, this is Pharaoh, that his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. All the magicians of Egypt and its wise men. So Pharaoh is the king of Egypt. He's had a dream. He cannot figure out what it means. And now he's calling for all of his people. And Pharaoh told them his dreams. But there was no one. There was no one who could interpret them for him. Verse 9, then the chief butler spoke to Pharaoh saying, I remember my faults this day. When Pharaoh was angry with his servants to put me in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, both me and the chief baker, we each had a dream in one night, he and I. Each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now, there was a young Hebrew man, a young Hebrew man uh, that was with us there, a servant of the captain of the guard, and we told him, and he interpreted our dreams for us. To each man he interpreted according to his own dream, and it came to pass, just as he interpreted it for us, so it happened. He restored me to my office, and he hanged him, and he hanged him. Verse 14, then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon, and he shaved, changed his clothing, and came to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream. There was no one who can interpret it, but I have heard it said of you that you can understand uh, you can understand a dream to interpret it. Verse 16, so, jo so Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Now, this was an extraordinary thing that Joseph did. And we're thinking, man, you know, this, this guy is awesome. He can interpret it. He can interpret dreams by God. God has given him the ability to interpret dreams. God has given him the ability to interpret dreams that nobody else can interpret. Now he's standing before the king. But here's a couple things we have to look at. This would be extraordinary if, you know, Joseph was, you know, one of Pharaoh's magicians. One of Pharaoh's servants that lived in the palace. Was a royal servant appointed by Pharaoh to do this type of thing. That'd be extraordinary. But... What we have to realize is Joseph in this point, in this point in time right here, is being called out of a prison. He's not being called out of the royal courts. He doesn't live in Pharaoh's palace. This isn't his job title or his regular duty in the palace for Pharaoh to come and call on him at a moment's notice when he has a dream that he can't interpret. This is the guy that is actually in prison. This is the guy that has done something worthy of being put in prison. If we started right here, we would be thinking, okay, this man was a terrible man that was put in prison for something he did, and Pharaoh had to call on him because nobody in his palace could do it. And so we begin to see things that God is trying to set up here. That Pharaoh isn't calling on one of his magicians because his magicians can't do it. He's calling on a, a young man that has been sitting in prison. Okay? And the thing that we have to realize is when we get back to the beginning of Joseph's life, you'll see that this ability to interpret dreams is actually what got Joseph in the mess 
to begin with. You know, sometimes God will use something in your life that even you have given up on. Sometimes God will want to use something in your life. The very thing that God wants to use in your life is something that you disqualified yourself from before. Maybe it's something that failed you before. And when we get back to the beginning of Joseph's life, and a lot of you may know the story, the ability to interpret dreams is kind of an interesting thing that God uses to actually get him to an extraordinary position. Because that ability hasn't shown up in Joseph's life since he was 17 years old. Now, he interpreted a couple dreams in the prison. But even when he interpreted those dreams in the prison, it still did not seem like the thing that was going to set him up for something great. So it's interesting that God would pull on this gift, this ability in Joseph's life. Because go back to Genesis chapter 37. That's the end. Or really, we could put it this way, that was the beginning of greatness for Joseph. It wasn't the end. It was the thing that catapulted him to something great in his life. From there, he gets appointed second in command over all of Egypt. Um, a boy that doesn't even belong in Egypt. He's not even an Egyptian. How rare is it for someone that's not even an Egyptian to be placed in a position of authority in Egypt? In a completely different country. This is the thing that saved his family. This is the thing that set up his people, the Hebrew people, to eventually take all of Egypt into, into the wilderness and eventually into the promised land. See, sometimes we don't tie these things together, so i got to show you how this comes together. Joseph has this dream and gives it to Pharaoh and says, you're going to have seven good years, but then you're going to have seven bad years, seven years of famine. There's no rain on the earth. There's no food. People are going to starve. But during the seven years, if you store up and begin to save up during those years, when the seven bad years come, you'll have enough for your nation and all the surrounding nations. Well, Joseph isn't from Egypt. And so he gets his family, the Hebrew nation, that was in the promised land where Abraham ended up. And he gets them all to come to Egypt. But what happens is, is the Egyptians quickly realize if we don't take care of these Hebrew people, they're going to rise up against us and overtake us. And so they began to put them in bondage. They began to put them in slavery. And now we enter Moses. You see the setup. This is thousands of years before. So this is the greatness for Joseph. But God didn't pick an extraordinary person to do something extraordinary. He picked an ordinary kid. Genesis chapter 37. You know what happens? Before I start to read that, you know what happens? Is sometimes we don't know the difference between failing and quitting. 
And this is the thing you've got to identify if you're going to live an extraordinary life. There's a difference between failure and quitting. And there is an, a, a desire that's within us from the fallen nature that the second we fail at something, we want to quit it. When you fail at something, your first inclination is not to get back up. You have to be pushed to get back up and do it again. Your first inclination is to, never trying that again. Well, that didn't work, so let's try something different. We never, you, uh, unless you've played sports for a long time and you had a coach that made you try and try and try and try again, unless you, uh, you know, ha have done something where someone's pushed you to where you have had that ability, your first inclination when you fail at something, it's embarrassing. You don't want to try it again. You think you're going to produce the same result that you did the first time. And so you just want to quit the thing. And what we're going to identify in Joseph's life is that just because he failed at one point didn't mean he needed to quit the thing. Because as I, because as I identified, as I pointed out, when he was told to interpret a dream, he could have shot back to Genesis chapter 37 when interpreting a dream didn't turn out so good for him. Look at uh, Genesis 37. We'll start with verse 1. Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger and in the land of Canaan. Jacob is Abraham's grandson. Abraham had Isaac, became the father of many nations. Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau. Esau went off, but Jacob stayed with God, and Jacob had multiple kids, and Joseph is one of those. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now Israel, or Jacob loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a tunic of many colors, but when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. <laughs> Joseph has a dream, blabs about it to his brothers, and now they hate him even more. So he said to them, Please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. His brother said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bow down to me. So he said to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him. But his father kept the matters in mind. So we see that Joseph, at the age of 17, being the youngest in his family, has two dreams where both of them identify that his brothers and even his father and mother would bow down and worship him. This is a dream given to him by God, 17 years old. Well, we know that his brothers hated him, 
and they eventually plotted that uh, they are going to find a way to get rid of him. They're tired of all this. They're tired of seeing their father favor him, make him the favorite, give him all kinds of stuff. Uh, Joseph was sent to find out what they were doing, and obviously they weren't doing anything right, so he would run back home to his father and tell them what they were doing and get them all in trouble. Yeah, nobody likes a tattletale. Nobody likes someone that's going to tell them that, hey, I've been dreaming, and uh, one day you're going to bow down and worship me. I'm the youngest one, but even mom and dad, they're going to worship me one day. Nobody wants that guy around, okay? And they didn't see the greatness that was inside of Joseph. They didn't see what God saw, amen? Because remember, God never sees ordinary. He always sees extraordinary. But even his dad, who favored him, even his dad said, are you serious? You think we're going to actually bow down and worship you? You're a silly guy. You, you don't know what you're talking about. What kind of dream is that? Why? Because they don't see extraordinary. God sees extraordinary. Amen? And so we skip on down. Skip on down to um, Genesis chapter 39. 39 and verse 1. Let me get you caught up real quick. I mean, we could, I could read the whole story, but we'll be here a while. And I know the buffet is keeping your food warm right now, so I'm moving. Amen. It's sitting up under those heat lamps. It's getting that nice gel layer on top. So anybody eat at buffets around here? I hear there's, some, there's a few good ones. My favorite is smoking pigs. That's not a buffet. Amen. And we got people on fast in here right now. I know you guys are hating me. Let's get moving. Let's keep moving. Amen. Hallelujah. Let me get you caught up. So Joseph's brothers decide we're getting rid of this guy. Can't have this around. So one day Joseph is sent out for, by his dad to the field to check on him. And they said, this is it. This is, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it right now. They decide we're going to kill him and we're going to throw his body in a pit. But Reuben, the oldest, steps up and says, no, let's not kill him. Let's just put him, at, put him in the pit and we'll come when, you know, hope somebody gets him. We'll check on him later. Well, they decide to do that. But then a band of Midianites come through. And they like to buy slaves, send them to Egypt, and they get money for that. And so they pull, they pull Joseph out and say, here's an idea. Let's just sell him into slavery. So now he's getting sold into slavery. Have you ever done what you thought was the right thing to do, but it seemed to take you backwards? You ever had a dream or a vision for your life, and you're obeying God, and you're doing what you believe God's telling you to do, and it actually takes you, you lose money in the deal, uh, you know, you, you find out maybe that wasn't the best guy to go into business with, uh, you, you know, you're, you're making decisions. And you're just finding out, man, this is backfiring on me. And now we're having to all of a sudden walk in this extraordinary amount of trust in God's plan because I, I, I'm doing what I know to do. I'm doing the best that I can. And you've given me this dream. You've given me this vision, but I'm not seeing it play out in my life. And so Joseph is now in this position. In Genesis chapter 39, verse 1, it says, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, 
captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down from there. I like this next verse. The Lord was with Joseph. Amen. The Lord was with Joseph. You know, God is with you in the favorable times and in the unfavorable times. God is with you when things seem like they're moving forward and when things seem like they're moving backwards. Because here's the thing, when you keep your heart right and you remain pure and you remain righteous before your God and you don't let anybody get you off of that, he is with you. It says the Lord was with Joseph. Why? Because Jesus, or uh, because God was, G- was Joseph's Lord. Joseph did what God told him to do. That made him a Lord. At any point, if Joseph had decided, you know what? Forget this thing. These dreams don't work. I'm trying to do the right thing here. I'm trying to obey my earthly father. This thing's not panning out. I'm just going to do my own thing. Forget this. Then the Lord wouldn't be with him. But that, that statement tells us that God was with Joseph. And look at this. And he was a successful man. A successful man. Successful in the sight of who? I mean, that's, that's a weird word to use for a slave. That's an odd word to use. I mean, you use that for a businessman. I mean, you'll use that for someone that has a, a large family. You know, maybe has a lot of money. But for a slave, successful is a very weird word to use. Someone that has been bought by somebody else to do chores around a property. And that's what he did. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Look at verse 3. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. You know, people will identify that God is with you. When you remain righteous, when you keep your heart right, when you remain in the position that that God is my Lord, I'm going to do whatever he tells me to do, I'm just going to follow him no matter what, people will notice that God is with you. People will notice. Not only is he uh, you know, a testimony to God that I'm staying uh, trustworthy in your sight, that I'm following after you, but now he is a witness to those around him. The Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. Uh, the master saw the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house and all that he had put under his authority. So it was from that time that he made him overseer of his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Joseph is now a blessing to Potiphar. Because he chose to stay in right standing with his God, because he chose to make God his Lord and do whatever he's asked him to do and remain righteous, he's now being a blessing to someone else. Even though he's in a position 
that's not quite favorable. Even though he is a slave, no one's bowing down to him at this point. Even though his dream seems so, so far off, he's still remaining in a posture that no matter where I'm at, I'm going to serve God. You have to come to terms with that. You have to make that choice. You have to make that decision in your life. If you're going to do anything extraordinary for God, you've got to make the decision whether the situation's favorable or unfavorable. I'm going to serve my God. I'm going to remain right before my God. You've got to make that choice. Joseph has come to a position that, you know what? It doesn't look like what God promised me. It, it, in fact, I told people the dreams that he had given me, and they laughed at me. They mocked me. They told me it would never happen. And right now, they're right. Right now, I'm in slavery. I've been bought by an Egyptian. But it doesn't matter. I'm going to choose to serve my God. And that position caused him to be successful because success to God is not in natural things it's in being obedient to his word what do you tell Joshua meditate on my word day and night observe to do all that is written therein then you will make your way prosperous then you will have all full success then you'll be full of success if you want a successful life, choose to obey God. And here's the thing. Whatever you do in obedience to God's word becomes extraordinary. When you obey God, we've seen this from week one. Whatever you do, if you're in obedience to God's word, it becomes extraordinary. He just took an ordinary job and made it extraordinary. How? See, I mean, you, you thought yours was bad. You thought your daily routine was bad. Try being sold into slavery. Try having someone put a dollar amount on your life. Try having to live a life where you don't call the shots. You have to do whatever someone else tells you to do. If you can't make your ordinary life extraordinary, just take a look at Joseph's life. An ordinary slave. An ordinary nobody. But he chose to obey his God. And now he just took his daily duties, his daily assignments, and he made it extraordinary. Why? Because he obeyed. Because he obeyed. Look, your routine may seem ordinary. Tomorrow you may get up and it may seem ordinary. You may go to your job and it may seem ordinary. You may see the same people that you see on a daily basis and it may seem ordinary. You may cook the same ordinary dinner and hang out with the same ordinary kids and watch the same ordinary shows and go back to the same ordinary house and drive the same ordinary car. It doesn't matter, but you can make it extraordinary when you obey God. Listen to his voice in the ordinary Listen to his voice when you're doing just the regular daily assignments, the regular. Joseph didn't wait to be assigned second in command over Egypt to see himself as extraordinary. He said, I'm going to do it now. And it set him up down verse 6. 
we left off with verse 6. At the end of verse 6, it says, Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. It's pretty blunt. Verse 8, But he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness, watch this, and sin against God? Sin against God. Not Potiphar. God. This is beyond Potiphar. This is beyond going out of my bounds in what I'm supposed to do on a daily basis. This would be a sin against my God, and no matter what I do, I'm going to remain righteous before him. And this set him up. This set him up for greatness. Because, see, God isn't just waiting. God doesn't just want you to obey him in the great things. He wants you to obey him in the small things. Joseph has an opportunity here. So far, nothing's really worked out for him. So far, the dream that God gave him hasn't really panned out. So far, remaining righteous hasn't really benefited him, hasn't really given him a lot. But he still remains in a, in a, a position. He remains in a posture of, I'm going to obey my Lord, my God, I cannot disobey him. I cannot sin against my God. How can I do this great wickedness and sin, sin against God? So it was as he spoke, as she spoke to Joseph day by day, that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. This wasn't just one instance. This was day to day. This was ongoing. You might have something in your life, your ordinary life, that comes knocking on your door day to day. Day by day, there's an opportunity to fail. Day by day, there's an opportunity to be unrighteous. Day by day, there's an opportunity to disobey your God. Day by day, you have an opportunity to give up and to quit on the dream that's God, that God has given you. This is just ordinary. This is just small. Look, I'll obey God when he tells me to do that. I'll, I'll obey God when he gives me a million dollars. But right now I've only got a thousand. I'll, I'm going to do what I need to do with a thousand. God wants you to obey him in the small as well as the great. God wants you to be faithful to him in the ordinary as well as the extraordinary. Joseph has these opportunities. We know how it goes. He eventually, uh, verse 19, the day by day keeps coming. He keeps turning it down. And in verse 19, he gets set up by Pharaoh's wife. She decides, all right, if I'm not going to get what I want, then get this guy out of here. And so she claims that she was raped, even though she wasn't. And in verse 19, so it was when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, your servant did to me after this manner, that his anger was aroused. Then Joseph's master took him 
put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph. (laughs) You know, remaining righteous cost Joseph in the natural. Amen? It cost him. In the natural, he lost even that which he had. But I'll tell you what, if I'm going to go to prison, I want the Lord to be with me. If I'm going to be at the bottom, I mean, he just went from ordinary to nothing. Now he's in prison. Now he's with some of the worst criminals, the king's crew. I mean, this, this is the king's prisoners. This ain't just some ordinary prison. This is where you put the worst of the worst. These are the ones that served the king, and the king decided, you're no good to me, get out. And put them in prison. He's in a position, watch this, where he is identified with other people that are not fit to serve the king. He's surrounded by people that were once in the palace. And the king decided, I don't need you around anymore, and got rid of him. That's where Joseph is. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor. You know, God can give you favor even in unfavorable situations. You want God's favor on your life. Even when you get to the bottom, God will still find a way to show you favor. Even when man doesn't show you favor, God will show you favor. You're going to notice here that in everything that Joseph did, he was placed in charge. (laughs) In slavery, he was placed in charge. In the prison now, he's placed in charge. God is just setting him up. How will you do in authority even when it's not the thing that you want to do? Even when it's just the ordinary thing. Because if you'll treat your ordinary like it's the extraordinary, God will get you to extraordinary. He'll, you'll, you'll show him, I don't have a problem with extraordinary. I can handle it because I've handled the ordinary. God is just getting him ready. God is just getting him set up. So uh, Genesis 39 verse uh, 19, let's keep going. Verse, uh, verse 20 we were in. Then Joseph's master took him, put him in the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. He was there in prison, but the Lord was with Joseph, showed him mercy, gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Whatever he did, the Lord made it to prosper. And so now we get to the next passage. And I'm not going to read it, but I'm just going to cover the details for you. Joseph is now in prison. Uh, I don't know how... You can say you're successful in prison, but he was. I don't know how you prosper in prison, but he did. And now two men approach him. 
Two men that were once with the king, they both have dreams. Now, you got to think. This is where the failing and the quitting comes in. You got to think. Joseph has already had a couple dreams. And that was years ago. And they still, in fact, not only am I just in my normal life, I'm now sitting in prison. Naturally speaking, you're not having a a whole lot of faith in interpreting dreams at this point. How easy, how easy would it have been for Joseph to say, why are you coming to meet with those dreams? I don't know anything about that. I can't interpret dreams. Let me tell you what happened the last time I interpreted a dream. I got thrown in a pit by my own brothers. I was sold into slavery. Then I went and worked for this guy, and I was doing pretty good. But then his wife kept coming to me to try to uh, get me to sleep with her. And I said, no, she got me in trouble, and now I'm here with you. So I don't think you want to count on my ability to interpret dreams very much. You need to go find someone else. It's amazing that God wants to keep using this gift. Because like we said from the beginning, the very thing that you've disqualified in your life is possibly the thing that God wants to use to get you to extraordinary. A gift that you've given up on. An ability that you've lost hope in. Something that you tried before and it failed in your eyes. But Joseph keeps going after the dream. He's not giving up on the dream. In essence, he's not giving up on God because God gave him the dream. It was divinely given. He's not giving up on God. He's saying, I'm going to persevere. I'm going to keep trusting in God. I'm going to keep trusting in the dream that he gave me. I'm going to keep trusting that his plan somewhere, somehow, some way is going to come to fruition in my life. And so he interprets it. He interprets these guys' dreams. One of them was, in three days, you're going to get hung. That's a tough one to tell somebody. The other one was, in three days, you're going to get out of here, and you're going to go back and serve the king again. But here's what I need you to do. The second you get out, tell the king about my situation. Let him know that I've been right the whole time. Let him know that I don't belong here. Well, the guy forgot about Joseph. And we get over to Genesis chapter 41. And that's where we find out in verse 1 that two full years go by. Two whole years go by. Two years. Okay, if you didn't lose hope in the pit, if you didn't lose hope in slavery, There's some loss of hope beginning to occur. Some loss of trust beginning to take place. And you're seeing this ability just keeps recurring to interpret dreams. And man, this thing is just not working out. What are you going to do when obeying God seems like it's taking you backwards? What are you going to do when it seems like you're falling after God's plan, but it seems like you're going the opposite direction of what he showed you in the first place? See, sometimes 
we have faith in God's plan when he shows it to us. But then we lose faith in the plan as we're going through it. I mean, he showed Joseph an end result. He didn't show him how he was getting there. He showed him, this is where you're going to be. But he didn't show him what it was going to take to get there. He identified that your family is going to bow down to you one day. And much more than that. And that seems great. God may have given you a dream, may have given you a plan, may have shown you an extraordinary life. But now you're in the middle of the plan that's causing that thing to take place, causing that thing to come forth. And you're wondering, where did that dream come from? How am I going to get to extraordinary? How am I going to get to the greatness that God has promised me? But all along, you have to remain faithful to God's promise. You have to remain faithful to God's word. Because I'll tell you this, God is always faithful to his promise. God is always faithful to his word. And you, we're the ones that get shaky. We're the ones that can lose faith, lose hope, lose trust. But we're the ones that have to continue to walk down the path no matter what it brings. And always remain in a position of being righteous. You'll see this in Joseph's life, that he was never free from living a righteous life. He was never given a pass to remain righteous. No matter how bad it got, he was always required. It was always obligated of him. You must obey my word. You know... Many times, God wants your full obedience more than he wants your full understanding. Many times in life, you'll find that he wants your full obedience more than he wants your full understanding. Maybe you don't understand it all. Maybe you don't see everything. Maybe you don't know why this is taking place but still obey, still remain focused on his word, still remain in obedience to God's word, still remain in a righteous posture. When things seem like they're moving backward, I don't know what's going on, I don't fully understand the situation that's at hand, but I'm going to obey my God. I'm just going to remain righteous. You have to come to that. Because God wants your obedience to his word more than he wants your understanding of it. And many times he will bring the understanding as you prove to be obedient to the word. Amen. And so that's where we meet up at the beginning. Joseph, at the end of two years, Pharaoh has this dream. He gets called out of the prison. He wasn't in the royal court. He wasn't even someone that should have been relied upon. It's amazing how God will get you to the position that he wants you to be in. It's amazing how God will move in your life, move through your life. It's amazing. But it requires a trust throughout the plan. To live an extraordinary life, you must have an extraordinary trust in God and his plan. 
in God and his plan. Now, here's the thing you got to understand. God doesn't use evil things. God doesn't do evil things. But he can show you things in the midst of it. You'll see that actually in Genesis chapter 50. God doesn't do evil things. Well, God put this sickness on me to try to teach me a lesson. I'm learning faith. I'm learning trust. No, God is not capable, doesn't even have the ability within himself to give and put sickness on anybody. Period. It's not even within his nature. God is good. God is love. You got to understand that. You know, sometimes people want to take this passage that I'm about to read and think that God was the one that put him in all those situations so that in the end he could show him something. Did Joseph learn something in the pit? Yes. Did he learn something in slavery? Yes. Did he learn something in prison? Yes. And God can use it, but he didn't do it. Genesis chapter 50. This is after all his family has come to Egypt. His dad has just died. And now Joseph's brothers are concerned. Now that our dad is gone, Joseph's going to carry out the sentence that we deserve. They're concerned. And they're just trying to say, they just want to go to Joseph and say, look, man, we're, we're sorry for what we did. Years, years have passed. And they think this guy is still going to hold a grudge and still try to carry out something on them. In 50 verse 15, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. So they sent messengers to Joseph saying, before your father died and he commanded saying, thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face and said, Behold, we are your servants. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good to save many people. Do you realize all the people Joseph saved? He saved Egypt. He saved all the surrounding regions. And he saved the Hebrew nation that would eventually go in in Joshua chapter 1 and take over the promised land. It's amazing how God will work. But he identifies, you meant evil for me. But God turned it for good. God can turn it for good, amen? God can take an unfavorable situation and give you favor in the middle of it. And God is the one that gets you from ordinary to extraordinary. He's the one that adds the extra to your ordinary. But he needs your ordinary so he can show himself faithful through you. We see the extraordinary thing that Joseph did. We see the greatness. Keep going there in verse, verse 21. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. 
I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Joseph continued to be a blessing. Why? Because he was a blessing when he got to Potiphar. He was a blessing when he showed up in the prison. And he continued to be a blessing even when he was second in command. You know what would happen if you put the wrong person second in command? But God found the right person. God found an ordinary person. And here's the awesome part. Sometimes what we think is a setback, God sees as a setup. Sometimes what we think is something that takes us backwards, God is saying, all right, now you're in position so I can get you where I need you to be. Now you've seen, now you've learned, now you've grown, now you've trusted. You've been faithful to my word when you could have slept with that woman. You were faithful to my word when you could have left me in the prison. You were faithful to remain true to the ability that I gave you to interpret dreams. And now you've allowed that ability to get you before the king and save an entire nation of people. The gift that God showed him, the gift that God gave him when he was 17 years old, told his dream to his brothers and his parents that laughed at him, mocked him, already hated him and hated him even more because of it. He stayed true to it because he knew if I remain faithful to God's word, he will remain faithful to his word. And the very thing that we think is a setback, God says, I'm just getting you set up for greatness. I'm getting you set up for extraordinary. Thank you for letting me use you in the ordinary. Thank you for letting me use your ordinary routine and your ordinary life and your ordinary position so you can change people's lives. Can we get a bigger picture today? Can we see the greatness that lies before us? Can we stop going to our jobs and gossiping with everybody else and filling in with everybody else and hating our boss like everybody else and just doing our routine like everybody else? But can we go there and start to become extraordinary in the ordinary routine? Can we go back to our homes and stop bickering with our wives and our husbands and stop getting on to our children for stupid stuff and start deciding to be extraordinary in the ordinary daily routine of life. There are things that we look at in our life and we're sick and tired of it. We want to change it. We want it to be different. And we think we need a different situation. When we don't need a different situation, we can be extraordinary in the ordinary. We cannot be a people that when something fails, we quit. We got to be a people that when something fails, we continue to trust in God, continue to trust in his ability to use us, continue to trust that when we do it his way, it will work out. You don't have to know everything all the time, but you do have to obey. You do have to remain faithful to his word. You do have to continue to trust. Extraordinary people have an extraordinary trust in their God. Extraordinary people and have an extraordinary trust in God's plan, even when it seems like nothing that he promised is taking place. Because when you can trust him when nothing's going right, you'll trust him when everything's going right.
Amen. Hallelujah. When he shows that greatness through your life, when he shows and when he brings you to an extraordinary position, he knows that you can handle it, knows that you're well capable because you identified I can be extraordinary in the ordinary. Whether it's before an entire nation or before it's or if it's in front of a couple people. I will do what God's told me to do. I will always listen to his word. Amen. Father, we thank you today. We thank you today that you have called us to be extraordinary, extraordinary, Father. And no longer will we allow our ordinary life dictate what we do and when we do it. We're not basing upon obeying your word uh, uh, based upon who sees us, who knows, who's around. But Father, we know that you're always watching. We choose to make you Lord in every situation. We choose to make you Lord in everything that we do. We choose to make you Lord when everybody sees it or when nobody sees it. Father, this is how we become extraordinary. This is how we see extraordinary things take place in our lives. This is how we see the extraordinary happen through us because the greater one is in us. No longer do we just rely on our ability. No longer do we just rely on who we are because you can give us favor even in unfavorable situations. Father, those that have been continuing in your will, continuing in your word, continuing in your purpose, remaining righteous, no matter who sees, no matter who's watching, Father, I thank you that favor is upon their life today. I thank you that you are showing yourself strong through them. And that greatness is on the other side. We'll keep persevering. We will keep trusting. We will keep pursuing the dreams and the visions that you have given us for our lives. We know that you've promised great things. We know that you have great things in store. But we're not waiting for those great things to show up. We can be great now. We can be great today. And I thank you that what seems like a setback, you're just getting a set up for kingdom work. We thank you for all that you're doing through our lives, Father. We thank you that you are extraordinary in us. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen.